It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. My goal is to win more than anybody. I want to be the greatest of all time. Levis trying to air it out. End zone. Caught. Levis over the middle. That's a good race to the end zone. Kentucky, the haymaker. He can move. He can beat you with his legs. He's tough. And Levis surges ahead. With his arm strength, his accuracy, Will Levis is now my number one quarterback, and he will remain my number one quarterback until draft day. The top quarterback pro days continue today. It was Will Levis's turn in Lexington, Kentucky. We'll hear from Lewis Riddick, who watched him throw live in moments. Welcome to NFL Live. Tim Hasselbeck, Mina Kimes, Robert Griffin III, Jeremy Fowler with you for the hour. Mel Kuyper Jr. joins us as well. Let's get right to it, guys. What would Will Levis prove today? Will Levis showing off that arm strength for sure. You'll see this in the video, but there was an 80-yard pass that looked like a rocket ship. The upside of Levis, well showcased today. There's also some other things that we'll get to in moments with Lewis, but here's Todd McShay with the quarterback right after he finished throwing. Will, you just finished the workout, man. You're still sweating. You got, to, you got the juices going. How'd you feel like it went? Went well. Yeah. Went well. It was a lot of fun to kind of have that last opportunity with, with my receivers from last year to just go out there and have some fun, do routes in there like, like we've done for the past year and a half. So, yeah. I mean, uh, great opportunity for them to get in front of the scouts as well. And uh, I thought I did well. It was a lot of fun. And you've been working the last eight weeks with, with Jordan Palmer. What, what are the things that you're trying to work on to improve in your game? Yeah, I think a lot of the things, a lot of the times when I'm missing throws or see myself being inefficient on tape, it has a lot to do with, like, the movement like that precedes the throw. So not necessarily anything in the upper half, but just how I'm getting to the platform to throw sometimes can put me in a disadvantageous situation yep. and just trying to address those things. You had two dinners last night at the, at the same <laughs> restaurant. With, um, it was pretty crazy. Now, the, the Teppers has been you know, well-documented. David Tepper, the owner of, of Carolina, first overall pick, and his wife, Nicole Tepper, and, and the organization have been you know, going out with all four, the top four quarterbacks and having dinner. And then you had dinner with the Raiders as well. How does how that process like, and, yeah. and how much food did you eat? It's too? tough because <laughs> the biggest thing that I was uh, worried about was what I was going to order with each yeah. one, you know? But I think I did it right. I did an appetizer and a salad with the first Smart. group and yeah. then a steak with the second. So, yeah. And I told them beforehand, like, I didn't want to come off as someone who just, like, eating a salad and a crab cake. It's a good plan. I think I did it right. What did you think about how did the meetings go? It was good. Yeah. felt really good. Definitely could see myself uh, being a franchise quarterback for each of those teams. So, I mean, great to continue those relationships, and they're only going to get stronger throughout the next few weeks. What's next for you? I got this weekend. Enjoying this weekend with uh, my parents and then back to the ground Monday. Okay. So uh, back to training, getting ready for the draft. For more on Will Levis, we bring in Lewis Riddick, who is at Kentucky for the Pro Day. Got to watch Will throw live. Uh, Lewis, what stood out to you today when you were able to see him throwing, working out, and speaking to these teams? Yeah, Laura, on the positive side, all the things that we see on tape. We saw a very, very strong arm, a guy who can draw, throw the football on a line 35, 40 yards without any problem whatsoever, and quite honestly, without really even needing his lower body to help him get it there. We saw a guy who can get outside the pocket, throw the football with real nice accuracy on the run, both to his left and to his right. 
Unfortunately, some of the same things that we saw on tape as far as accuracy overall, we saw a crop up here in a negative way in terms of maybe some of the ball placement on the in-breaking routes, the 15, 20-yard dig routes across the middle of the field. They weren't exactly where he wanted them. And I think that's a function of him really getting his feet and his lower body tied together with his eyes and his release. And that's something that he said he's working on. The deep ball, he threw a nice deep ball, probably traveled about 65 yards in the air you know, at, towards the end of the workout, one of his last throws. But then he tried to throw a couple other ones, and the ball kind of fluttered on him, were a little bit underthrown. So you saw the good and you saw the bad, which overall leads you to believe this. You need time for Will Levis. You don't want to throw him in there week one of 2023. You want to take this nice and slow because he is making progress and he is working hard in this pre-draft run-up to fix some of the things that went wrong with him individually last year. And I think he's on the right track. Yeah, Lewis, it's an interesting point, too. And as you know, Levis is probably one of the most uh, motivated guys who will apply himself mm. mentally to that work. I think that's really key that probably teams are picking up on, too, in the improvements that they want to make. Thanks so much to Lewis for all the great coverage this week. We'll check back in with you next week. Here's another piece of the conversation. Levis had an impressive debut season at Kentucky in 2021, posting a 77 QBR, also rushing for nine touchdowns. However, that QBR declined to 61 this past season, and he wasn't as much of a rushing threat, running for only two touchdowns. Injury played in there. We'll get to that. Kentucky's offensive line played a role also in Levis's struggles last season as he was sacked 36 times, fifth most among Power 5 QBs. Tim, that is a piece of the story, and it's worth considering, right, when you think about the differences in Kentucky as a team in those two years. But what stands out to you when you see the tape? The first thing that jumps out, and it's a positive, is his arm strength. Exactly what Lewis Riddick was just talking yeah. about, he, what he saw on the pro day. Like When you watch him, it's clear, okay, his arm is special. It's different than most guys that you see coming from the college level. So that's the number one thing that you see. And then I think as you get into it, you say, look, yeah, I like the toughness. You can tell he's competitive. He has traits that, um, you know, a locker room and a team will rally around. And then I think you have to say, okay, well, what what are the negatives? Then you start to see, I don't know, like questionable decision-making. You'll see him miss throws that he should make, and you start to wonder, okay, well, why do those things happen? And I think the evaluation of Will Levis, the most important part of it will be, when teams can sit and watch his Kentucky film with him and say, mm. all right, tell me about why this right here, why this throw into that crowd. And once you can get comfortable with that and maybe have an understanding of why he was thinking what he was thinking on some of these specific plays, then I think you can probably come away feeling like, okay, I can trust this guy going forward, or, or maybe we have a lot of work to do. Yeah, I completely agree about the arm strength. Just watching now his workout, the ball explodes out of his hand. It's that unique combination of that tight throwing motion, that quick release with the unbelievable velocity he gets. That's really special, and it's easy to imagine that translating at the next level. But the question that I have uh, is similar to what Tim said, which is he has an NFL arm, but does he have NFL consistency? Does he have NFL processing? Because... While he has a quick release, there were too many times where he's patting the football after the first read doesn't get open. He invites pressure as much as the offensive line also contributed to that. So as an organization, you have to see if he has the capacity to improve in those areas because the underlying tools, as Tim said, are very enticing, but it requires more than those tools and traits to be a top quarterback in the NFL. 
Yeah, guys, Will Lovis is one of the most difficult evaluations of this draft process at the quarterback position of the top guys. You all talked about his arm strength. Yes, it's a tight motion. Many times he doesn't tie his legs or his feet in with his arm, which is why he can make all of those crazy throws, but he's a little inconsistent in his accuracy. Now, Will Levis wouldn't be the first strong arm quarterback that we've ever talked about that struggles with velocity versus touch. But when I watched his tape and I watched every single snap of his in college, that's what you see. He is a really good player. He is going to be tough, and he's going to put it on the line for his team like he did last year, playing through foot and shoulder injuries. But at the same time, when you're evaluating him as a GM or as a, as a personnel guy, you have to say to yourself, does this guy need one, two years to be able to become a franchise quarterback? I think he has all of those traits, but one thing is for sure. He's 6'4", 229 pounds, guys. He's tough. And he likes mayo in his coffee, so he's got that going for him. Yeah, I'm going to avoid the mayo in the coffee for sure, but if you haven't tried it, it's not good. Uh, the one thing, too, that's interesting <laughs> about Kentucky is they say that they were impressed by the way that Levis continued to show up for that team despite injury, despite not having the skill set uh, around him that he needed to have a yep. ton of success. He continued to go out there. I, I do think that's a piece of what they'll probably be saying to NFL teams that are asking about Levis as well. There's a lot more coming on this a little bit later on in the show. We get Mel Kuyper Jr. involved with his evaluation. He's pretty high on Levis, by the way, but to a developing story now. The NFL sent out a league-wide memo notifying them that a person not certified by the NFLPA might be attempting to persuade a team or personnel to enter into negotiations of contracts with Lamar Jackson. This in relation to the involvement of a business partner on fit fitness equipment named Ken Francis. So again, Lamar does not have an agent, but Lamar took to Twitter to dispute the claims from the NFL by saying, quote, stop lying. That man, that would be Ken Francis, never tried to negotiate for me. For more on Lamar, let's welcome in Jeremy Fowler, our insider here. And Jeremy, what more can you tell us about this situation? Well, Laura, I spoke directly with Ken Francis, reached him on the phone. He denied having any involvement talking to teams about Lamar Jackson. He said that Lamar Jackson handles all his own football business. Francis and Jackson are in business with equipment for fit, like a portable fitness equipment. Uh, so it's a different venture than what you would have in the NFL. He says he has no involvement with that part of it. I know some people either with the NFL Players Union or the league are a little bit skeptical of that. So perhaps this reaches some sort of investigation, but as of now, status quo and, and Francis is denying any involvement. And as far as Lamar Jackson's free agency and getting an offer sheet from another team. I'm told there has been no offer as of yet. Doesn't mean it won't happen down the road because it could, you know, spark something closer to the draft. Other teams are watching the Indianapolis Colts because they pick at number four. If they can't get their top quarterback, maybe they try to make that move with new head coach Shane Steichen having a background with running mobile quarterbacks like he did with Jalen Hurts so well. Yeah, it's an interesting point. And either way, a reminder that if Lamar receives an offer from another team, the Ravens would be able to counter offer if they'd like to try and keep him. There are draft picks involved there, too. It's complicated. It's layered, but could happen. Let's continue on with some top stories with Jeremy. And speaking of the Ravens, they did make a move today at wide receiver. Jeremy, what's the latest there? Yeah, signed Nelson Aguilar to a one-year deal. He visited with the team early this week, and I told the, I was told they were very impressed meeting with him that he would be a positive influence on their wide receiver room. I'm also told Aguilar doesn't know who's going to be his quarterback in Baltimore, so that deepens the intrigue with Lamar Jackson. DJ Chark signing with the Panthers today. I'm told Carolina and Chark's representatives talked all week trying to figure out a contract. They wanted to sign both Adam Thielen and Chark. They get it done. 
They originally wanted to do a two-year deal with Chark. He wanted to bet on himself with more of a one-year deal to stay healthy, put up big numbers in the NFC South. Then you have DeAndre Hopkins. You know, talking to other teams around the league, they do expect something to shake out with a Hopkins trade with Arizona in the near future, but that Arizona would have to come off their asking price. I've talked to teams who say that Arizona has wanted a second-round pick and more, almost like a Christian McCaffrey package that you saw during the season last year. Second, third-round pick, something big. So teams aren't willing to do that as of yet. Look at a team like Buffalo Bills. They've been lurking a little bit. They've at least been looking at the wide receiver market. This might be too rich for them, but they've showed when they want to go get their guy, they go do it. Stephon Diggs, Vaughn Miller, and others. Ooh, you piqued my interest there, thinking about Josh Allen throwing to D-Hop. That's a, an attractive pairing there. We're just getting started here on NFL Live. So much more to come today. A busy day here as the Eagles still plugging holes on their defense. Next, Mina explains how they can benefit from the upcoming drafts, the moves they need to make, and some names you should watch out for. And the 2004 draft class had Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers, and Ben Roethlisberger. Later, Mel Kuyper Jr. is going to join to explain why this class this year reminds him of that 2004 class. High praise from Mel. And we'll be right back with more NFL Live. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We start week number five of the XFL season. Let's get it in. (sighs) Do these fans in St. Louis love football or what? AJ said you taught him everything he knows. I'm kind of rooting for them, but uh, hopefully we win by one. I was learning to, to carry the torch, not face the torch. Backside pressure. Ball is out. Seattle has it. Zenit gets dropped. Good job, TJ. He slid my way. Easy money. Well, let's just stop talking. <laughs> Hell no, they can't cover Jeff. Come on. What a catch. The death. Touchdown, Vegas. Yes, sir! Oh, good move by Danucci, and his receiver does the rest. I'm dropping straight time. It's a work in progress for the odds makers. DC still been cashing tickets left and right by an average cover margin of nearly eight and a half points per game. Abram Smith! No one's gonna get him! Touchdown, DC defender! They're gonna run it right there. That hole opens up a 70-yard house call for Abram Smith. Hey, shout out to my mama, teach me how to run. Intercepted by Arlington. We got it! I call a game. How much fun was that? Oh, man. 
see the great access on display there for the XFL. Week 6 is back tomorrow as the Sea Dragons square off against the Guardians on ABC 1 Eastern. Then the Battlehawks and Vipers at 7 Eastern on FX. Sunday afternoon, Brahmas and Renegades on ABC. And the Roughnecks and Defenders cap Week 6 Monday at 7 Eastern on ESPN2. Every game also available on ESPN+. Glad you're with us on NFL Live and some news out of Philadelphia. The Eagles giving all-pro right tackle Lane Johnson a one-year $33.4 million contract extension, including $30 million guaranteed. Johnson had the best pass-block win rate by any offensive tackle last season. He's now under contract through 2026. Didn't give up a sack for the last two seasons either. And it's been a busy offseason for the defending NFC champs. They lost several key starters on defense, including C.J. Gardner-Johnson and Javon Hargrave. But Philly was able to re-sign cornerback James Bradbury, and today they signed former Steelers safety Terrell Edmonds. On offense, the Eagles got some good news with the return of Jason Kelsey. They also signed Rashad Penny to help replace Miles Sanders. We'll see if they add some more there to that run game. But Miles Sanders signed with the Panthers in free agency. So, Mina, as you see the moves that have been made and then some of the guys that they lost that were key starters, what do you think the Eagles still need to address this offseason? You know, Philadelphia came into the offseason with an extraordinary amount of free agents on defense. And as you just put up, they were able to retain some of them. Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, both of the corner, starting quarterbacks, Darius Lane, James Bradbury, holding on to them was quite a coup. But even with those players coming back, to me, in the draft, there needs to be a strong emphasis on that side of the ball, really at every level. I mean, working back to front, Yes, they signed Terrell Edmonds, but the safety position is one that I think is something they should be looking to target, maybe not at pick 10, but certainly near the top of the draft linebacker. You've got a Kobe Dean coming up, but with those departures, that's another area I think you're going to want to bolster. And then it's one thing I know about Howie Roseman, their GM. He is always looking to add depth to that defensive line. It's a big part of the reason why this team has been successful during his tenure. So to me, they could draft any of those positions in the first couple of rounds, but all of them need to be on the board for Philadelphia. Well, guys, I'll say the Eagles lost more talent than any team in the NFL this offseason. They lost both starting safeties. They lost their, lost their starting left guard. They lost their leading rusher. Talk about Javon Hargrave, interior pass rusher and run stuffer. And they lost starting linebacker T.J. Edwards. So, Mina just talked to you about what they need to do on the defensive side. On the offensive side of the ball, they have to secure that offensive line. they got to continue to pour assets into that because that's the strength of their team. So think about at the number 10 pick, a guy like Peter Skaronski out of Northwestern. He played left tackle in college, but he can move inside and play guard and play multiple positions. I'd also like to see them go and make a better replacement for Miles Sanders. I like Rashad Penny, but I think they go get a guy like Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama a back who can do it out of the backfield and can catch the ball and move the ball and move around into the slot and be a receiver. That is a, a weapon that I think Jalen Hurts would really crave after losing that same type of weapon in Miles Sanders. But at the end of the day, we've got one of the best quarterback in the NFC. Protect him, give him another weapon at running back, and even wide receiver, maybe a guy like Trey Palmer out of Nebraska who could be there in the third round to add with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Yeah, the Eagles do have a wealth of draft picks, right? So there's a lot they can do there, and I expect them to do it to Robert's point. But Philly also is going to have to replace both coordinators. How do you see that transition going? And let's start with the offensive side of the ball for them. Like, See, to me, I think that's the bigger concern. Yeah. Like, when you have a good team, like you're going to lose good players, and you might lose one coordinator. 
Like in this scenario where you lose both coordinators, like there's a reason why when a new head coach comes in, you get a little extra time in the offseason because you're installing a brand new offense and a brand new defense. Now, clearly, Philadelphia isn't going to just be scrapping everything. What they do offensively, Laura, to your point, like I think it's a continuation of what Shane Sykin was doing there a year ago. But Brian Johnson's never been a coordinator in the NFL before. Yes, he's got a good relationship and a long relationship with Jalen Hurts. But, like, there is something different about being the leader. And then when you lose somebody who is very good at their job, replacing them. And not trying to be them, but being yourself. And so I think that it's just a significant change. And so to say that Brian Johnson can't be successful? No, he most certainly can. But the question ends up being, all right, well, well, each and every week, they were so good at, at, at like scheme stuff throughout the season and, and getting to things at the perfect time. Like, how does that change? And so yeah. I think that's the bigger concern for me over personnel. Yeah, it's interesting. I was talking to Brian Johnson recently about all this, and he is aware of the concerns, which I think shows kind of just how understanding he is of the job that's ahead of him, mm -hmm. right? And the, the longstanding relationship with Jalen Hurts helps, but it's not everything because Jalen Hurts isn't the only person in that offense. That O-line, though, makes me feel a little bit more comfortable for them. The good news for the Eagles, they do have a couple of first-round picks in next month's draft. In Mel Kiper Jr.'s latest mock draft, he has the Eagles selecting Northwestern offensive lineman Peter Skoronsky, who you just heard Robert mentioned he was a unanimous first team All-American last season and with the 30th pick Mel has the Eagles taking pit defensive tackle Kalijah Kansi last season's ACC defensive player of the year so shoring up those lines seems super smart let's bring in Mel Kuyper Jr. to talk about those picks and Mel you have the Eagles addressing offensive and defensive lines in your most recent mock why do you see them making those selections in the first round? Laura, Mina and Robert touched on it. Howie Roseman likes to invest in the trenches. And you think about Peter Skaronsky at 6'3 and a half with short arms. Can he be a left tackle? But he certainly can be a guard. He's a tremendous technician, and you have to be at 6'3 and a half without that arm length. Obviously, keep those defensive linemen at bay. What he also is is extremely reliable, consistent, and versatile at the pro level. I believe he can play all five spots along that offensive line if he goes to the Philadelphia Eagles in the future moving forward, which presents great value in the National Football League. And then you come back after you get Skaronsky at 10, you go for the defensive lineman. That defensive tackle is a three technique. He is explosive out of the blocks, and that's Kalijah Kansi from Pitt. 40 time at the combine, a little bit better than even Aaron Donald. Now, it doesn't have the arm length that Donald did at 6'1", 280, but he is a guy gets into that backfield, wreaks havoc. He had 27.5 tackles for loss and 14.5 sacks over the last two years with the Pitt Panthers, harassing quarterbacks with an up-the-gut initial pressure on a regular basis. If he's there late in the first round, he would make an awful lot of sense for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, that 40 time, that 4.67 at the combine, the fastest by a defensive tackle since 2003, according to NFL Next Gen Stats. To see a big fella running that fast, my goodness, what a sight to see. Okay, more from Mel is coming as we get to Will Levis a little bit later on in the show, thanks to Mel. But let's get back to the reigning Super Bowl champs coming up next on the show. Will they be able to reload after losing some key players this offseason? Robert tells us why he has no worries for Chiefs Kingdom. We'll be right back. Get we on right now. Get we up right now. Get we on right now. Get we up right now. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo tequila!
Lola came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. glad to have you on NFL Live today. Let's read and react. We're going to talk about some news from around the league. Let's begin in Cleveland where Elijah Moore excited for his new opportunity. Being here with Deshaun and Coop and, and just, just the whole team is like a very good mesh and I couldn't be happier to be here. You know, I feel like it's, it's really going to go well and it just feels good to be wanted, you know, so I'm just blessed to be here, man. I'm blessed to be at Brown and I mean, you know, I'm going to get this all I have to be a part of something like this, I feel like is... I don't know. It's just all smiles for me. Tim, that offense could be really good. I think it could be really good. And it's a great get for the Browns. You think about it. Look, the Jets weren't moving on from Elijah Moore because they didn't think he was a good player or he was disgruntled. It was more about getting ammunition to get Aaron Rodgers. And so basically moving, uh, you know, from the second to the third round, basically around, uh, you get a really good receiver that could end up catching 60 balls for you Mm. in that offense with that quarterback and the surrounding talent. Let's go to New England, where Juju Smith-Schuster has high praise for his new quarterback, Mac Jones. Listen to this. I have not thrown with Mac yet, but I'm just watching film and just watching him. That dude loves breathes in New England. He's the definition of a patriot. Even my short time, my 24 hours of being in New England, he was there in the facility constantly working out with the guys, just getting after, getting in the books. He's a rookie pro bowler, so the dude has a lot of potential, man. I can't wait to get right with him. Robert, he's saying all the right things. He does TikTok well. What do you make of those comments from Juju? <laughs> yeah, Laura, he does do TikTok well, and I, and I love his TikToks. I'm, I'm a fan. Juju, on the field, though, he's underrated as a wide receiver. Not only can he work the middle of the field and find those easy soft spot zones, but he has that big playability after the catch. So 933 yards, 78 catches for Juju there with the Chiefs. Excited to see what he can do and how he can add to Mac Jones in the Patriots offense. Yeah, I love the Patriots getting at least him as a weapon. We'll keep an eye if they get more. To New York, where the Jets added former Chiefs wide receiver Miko Hardman. And it doesn't seem like Kansas City tried too hard to keep him. Listen to this. I don't know if they offer anything worth the talking about or if they just, you know, was moving on. I, I, I don't really know, know the, the exact detail. I'm probably pretty sure they probably offered something. Um, but... If they did, it probably wasn't nothing that my agents and them would thought, you know, to consider. Uh, Mina, what do you think about the Chiefs not having interest in bringing back Hardman? 
You know, not too surprising, Laura, coming off of a down season. Obviously, he was banged up, missed a bunch of games, but he also got the sense that the Chiefs had found some reinforcements, replacements internally. Um, they signed uh, MVS as the deep threat. They traded Kadarius Toney, who took some of those schemed-up touches in the backfield away. It was more of that horizontal threat. I do think, however, McCole Cardman has flashed that deep threat potential at points in his career. Uh, that would be enticing to New York, especially if they get a quarterback who can deliver him the ball down downfield. Mm, yeah, we're still waiting on that. Hey, in addition to the departures of Hardman and Smith-Schuster, the Chiefs also lost a pair of starting offensive tackles from last season's Super Bowl team in Orlando Brown Jr. and Andrew Wiley. KC signed Jawan Taylor to replace Brown at left tackle, while Lucas Niang could step in for Wiley at right tackle. Jarek McKinnon and Justin Watson, who were among the Chiefs' top five leading receivers last season, still free agents. So, Robert, we're seeing a lot of changes, right, on offense in yep. Kansas City. Uh, what do you think the Chiefs need to address for the rest of this offense to continue to reload? And obviously, they're going to be trying to be on a repeat campaign. Yeah, the Chiefs need to go out and sign Odell Beckham Jr. The reason I say that is because they just lost Juju Smith-Schuster, who we talked about. They just lost Miko Hardeman. And now you're talking about adding OBJ to a receiver room with MVS, Kadarius Toney, Sky Moore, and of course, the great tight end, Travis Kelsey. When you look at the Chiefs, they have their core four still intact despite all the departures. They got Patrick Mahomes, they got Travis Kelsey, they got Chris Jones and Andy Reid. I would not be surprised if they add an offensive lineman during the draft because they lost their starting right tackle. But as we always know with Andy Reid, he likes to take a playmaker on the offensive side of the ball that he feels is the best available guy, whether that's another running back, a wide receiver, or even a tight end. What do you think, Mina? I, I would like to see it, Robert. Um, but I generally, I would say, even if they don't get OBJ, I, I do think they need to add a pass catcher. I, I say pass catcher because while I could see the Chiefs drafting another wide receiver, if they were to go to the draft, I think it would be someone speedy. I could also see them adding a tight end. Uh, this is a team that used the third most 12 and 13 personnel in the NFL last year and 13 personnel with three tight ends on the field was actually their most efficient personnel grouping as an offense. I think there are other needs, offensive line and edge that might uh, leapfrog that in the draft, but this is an extremely deep group of tight ends and if a guy like Dalton Kincaid out of Utah were to fall for them at the right spot, I could see him being incredibly productive in an offense that showed us they really know how to use multiple tight ends last year. Yeah, and I think when you look at this situation, I think you got to say, like, look, we have to trust Andy Reid. Like, I, I feel like he's <laughs> earned it, right? Where you say, yeah. I feel like talk that way about New England when it was like, ah, what are they doing here? And it's like, you know what? They're up to something and they probably have a plan. That's where I am with Andy Reid in terms of how they've – just think of the turnover receiver and how it really hasn't affected them. Think of the turnover on the offensive line and how it hasn't affected them in the past. Look, they've drafted a tackle two out of the last three years. They were, they were fine seeing Orlando Brown go, and they quickly signed Juwan Taylor. Look, look, maybe they think in terms of pass rusher that George Karloftis is going to be a different version of himself this upcoming season. And so I do think there's an element where you look at him and you go, golly, they've been right a lot. Something tells me they're going to be right again.
It helps when you have that scheme and when you know that you've got Andy Reid as, as Robert Broadway. Robert listed Andy Reid almost like he was on the roster because in this case, <laughs> he kind of is, right? Like he is one of the reasons why you can say you feel very confident in what this offense looks like. And there's that guy, Patrick Mahomes. We got more coming your way on NFL Live. Okay, where will former running back for the Cowboys, Ezekiel Elliott, take his talents? Our analysts here are going to tell you where they believe he fits best next. You don't want to miss this. Where can we see Zeke? play more NFL live on the way ten seconds on the clock how many things can you name that are always growing your relationships your skills your customer base how about businesses on Shopify <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the Launch Your Online Shop stage to the First Real Life Store stage, all the way to the Did We Just Hit a Million Orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Back here on NFL Live, it's still on the lookout for Odo Beckham Jr.'s landing spot. You're looking at video footage of the workout he did in front of many teams recently. We've thrown out the Steelers and Chiefs this week. You just heard Robert talking about the Chiefs. The Jets still loom, as we know Aaron Rodgers would like having OBJ in the fold if he can get to New York. But we start with you, Jeremy, as we bring back in Jeremy Fowler. What is the latest on Odell and where the market stands? Well, Laura, I continue to hear that the New York Jets are a viable option and that there is some mutual interest to a point. So it hasn't graduated to a signing as of yet. But the Jets are closely monitoring this. They believe they're going to acquire Aaron Rodgers at some point, and they are going to mold an offense around Rodgers and pass-catching weapons. Rodgers would like to have Beckham. Beckham is open to playing with a quarterback of that caliber. And so there are still some other teams, some big-ticket teams that are looking for receiver help, like the Bills, like the Chiefs. But the price point here is a bit of an issue. They don't want to spend big money. There hasn't been a lot of big free agent money in general during this second week, the second wave of free agency. So we'll see what Beckham's threshold is and how long he's willing to wait. Yeah, I think that threshold's important. You saw him tweet out, he didn't ask for $20 million, or he's not asking for $20 million yeah. a year, but he needs more than $4 million. So somewhere in that range, right? And Tim, when you think about a landing spot that makes sense for him, what qualifications are important for that team and maybe specifically that quarterback? Yeah, I, I think the most important thing with where he lands isn't necessarily like, hey, just pick the team. It's do they have an established quarterback and do they have somebody that uh, – you know, can keep him happy, basically. Mm. I don't think Odell Beckham Jr. is going to end up in a scenario because of his agent injury history where he's playing over 60 snaps a game. I just don't think that he's at that part, you know, place in his career. Now, he's still going to view himself as a number one, and so when he gets out on the field, he's going to want the football. And so if he's playing 40 snaps, I think he needs to be playing with a quarterback that, you know, essentially is somebody that can attack any area of the field at any point. And so I think, like, all right, well – 
We're talking about the Jets. We're talking about the Jets because Aaron Rodgers could be there. Uh, you know, Robert earlier brought up uh, Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes. Both those quarterbacks, that's kind of the makeup of them. I think he needs to play in a situation like that to be happy and to be successful. The other thing I think he probably wants to do is win more. Yeah, obviously, he wants to make money, but at this point, why not try to go somewhere that's really going to contend? Let's yeah. go to the Cowboys, where Zeke was released last week. Tony Pollard, of course, signing the franchise tender yesterday, so he's set to be the feature back once he gets healthy there. But what about Zeke? Where does the vet, who still has some juice, okay, despite what people say, end <laughs> up? Jeremy, what is the latest on Zeke? Well, we know via our Adam Schefter that the Bengals, the Eagles, and the Jets are preferred destinations for Ezekiel Elliott. So talking to some teams and some people around the league, they believe the Bengals here could be looming large because I'm told they're looking to add a running back, either free agency or the draft, either to pair with Joe Mixon or if they were to move on from Mixon, they could save nearly $8 million in cap space. But I do expect the Bengals to make a move at some point, and Elliott would sort of play into their, their mold as wanting a power option running game and so you know the Jets and some of these other teams they have two or three backs they have an identity there already so you have Ezekiel Elliott and you have Kareem Hunt those are the top two options still available uh, and Elliott seems more willing right now to sign here soon Kareem Hunt's probably going to wait a little bit mm. yeah Tim brought this up yesterday just about some of the short yardage situations and the goal line situations potentially with Zeke he does still and has still scored touchdowns Robert where do you want to see Zeke end up well, when you talk about Zeke, I mean, it, those touchdowns, 22 touchdowns over the last two years, that makes me want to see him with the Jets. Now, if what Jeremy is saying about the Bengals possibly moving on from Joe Mixon, if I'm Ezekiel Elliott, that's where I'm going because I know I can still be a feature guy. But I think Ezekiel Elliott thinks he's a feature guy, but the league may, so, may view him more so as a complimentary piece, a third down back who can catch the ball out of the backfield, a third down back who can pass protect. In short yardage, third and short, fourth and one situations last year, he converted 17 of 21 of those. So he can still be a difference maker if you put him in the right role. But I would like to see him go to the Jets, and I know the Jets running backs hate to hear that. Yeah, Robert, who else are we putting on the Jets? We're putting a lot of people on the Jets, aren't we? They're going to be all-name team, right? It's a dream team. It's like, you go to the Jets. You go to the Jets. All right. How about this, guys? Uh, Bobby Wagner was released by the L.A. Rams. So we'll see where he ends up at this point. As the guy still showed a ton of talent and some great production. He let the Rams in tackles in only one season with the team. This is interesting to me. I want to see who might be in the market for him. Jeremy, we start with you. Yeah. What's the latest you're hearing on that market for Wagner? Well, Laura, I'm told there's no update on Wagner's status. He appears ready to wait a little bit, perhaps even closer to the draft. I know the Dallas Cowboys had high interest, but the price point was pretty high. They weren't willing to go in that sort of 8 to $10 million range for a linebacker, so they ended up signing Leighton Vander Esch at a lower price point. Seattle is keeping tabs on this. A potential reunion, I'm told, is possible, but just like we talked about with Odell Beckham, that price point will be big. There's just not a lot of money right now for an 8 to $10 million type player, so a Wagner or an Odell Beckham might have to come down a little bit. Ooh, Mina, Seattle keeping tabs, reunion. We like it. It makes sense. Um, so Wagner, as you said, definitely still has a lot left in the tank coming off of a season with the Rams that was a disaster for their defense, but not for Bobby Wagner. 
Wagner, who showed he's still one of the best tackling linebackers in the NFL, very stout in run defense, if maybe he doesn't go sideline to sideline the way that he used to. So when you look at teams that could use him, Seattle's a team that lost Cody Barton, who was a middle linebacker, to free agency. Jordan Brooks, who's a first-round draft pick, uh, is coming off of a pretty serious injury, so that makes sense. Another team I would throw out that makes sense is another team that lost a starting linebacker, and that's the Buffalo Bills, who could, I think, pair him nicely with Matt Milano. But as Jeremy said, it is all about cost for both of those teams, neither of which have a ton of cap space. So it really comes down to where Bobby is willing to come down to salary-wise and if it matters to him uh, to play on teams like that that are potentially contenders. The 32-year-old had 140 tackles, six sacks, two interceptions. We'll keep an eye on that and a lot more. When we come back, there's been a ton of comparison between the quarterback styles of Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, but Robert has some doubts on the Kentucky QB. Richardson's pro day hadn't even happened yet. We're still going to talk about it, plus Mel joins us with more on Levis. We'll be right back. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We're back on NFL Live. Will Levis's pro day happened today in Lexington, Kentucky. You see the size of him on display, which is certainly enticing to NFL scouts. And some of the consistency that you wanted to see, not necessarily on display, but that arm did flash. So that's part of the Will Levis conversation, right? He's got this powerful arm, but can he be consistent at the NFL level? In Mel Kuyper Jr.'s latest mock draft, he has the Colts moving up from fourth to third in the draft order to select Levis. Mel has four quarters quarterbacks going in the top five, which has never happened in the common draft era. Just for history's sake, I'm rooting for it to happen, okay? For more on Levis, let's bring back Mel Kuyper Jr. And Mel, you have Levis going third, but that also factors in when you think about team fits and things like that. So if we're purely looking at his skill set, where do you view Levis in comparison to the other quarterbacks in this draft? Well, Laura, I gave Bryce Young ultimately the edge. I said, hey, he's not 180 now. He's 204. I set the bar at 195. He came in above that. So he had the right weight. Can he maintain that? We'll see. Will Levis is at two. C.J. Stroud at three. Anthony Richardson at four. I see a lot of Matthew Stafford and Will Levis. Matthew Stafford had some haters coming out of Georgia. We're at hmm. number seven. 
great arm, loved the kid, right? There were some people actually that thought Mark Sanchez was better and had Mark Sanchez rated ahead of Matthew Stafford that year. So the Lions took him, but there were some guys out there to question Matthew Stafford. I love the kid coming out. Levis, to me, compares to him. He's not Nuke Lelouch from Bull Durham, who needs some help from Crash Davis, became a heck of a pitcher, right? He's not that kind of guy. He was at 66%. He was at 70% against that great Georgia defense two years ago. This year, everybody talks about tie your feet, the arm. Well, hey, he couldn't even move. He could barely walk back to the huddle with the foot, the toe, the shoulder, injuries everywhere on his body, beat up to the hilt, but he competed throughout the year for an interception. Manuel Forbes comes back and takes him 75 yards on the next drive. He competed against Ole Miss with fumbles just trying to make a play. I love his competitiveness, Laura. I love the arm. And hey, what do we say? It's not who you are in college. It's who you will be in the NFL. These NFL coaches are the best in the world. They have coached before their name for a reason. Coach Will Levis up, and he can become a heck of a quarterback. Yeah, Mel, you know what you can't coach is that arm, a cannon arm that where the ball just mm-hmm. jumps out the way it does for Levis. And just a reminder, as you heard Mel say right there, he has Levis as his second-rated quarterback in this class. Not necessarily how the draft order goes, but how Mel himself ranks him. Thanks so much to Mel for all the latest today. And Levis and Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson are two of some of the more polarizing prospects in this draft class, okay? Richardson's pro day coming up March 30th, by the way. That's next Thursday. But last season was Richardson's first as a starter. He completed only 54% of his passes, but was a major threat on the ground, running for nine touchdowns, being sacked only 13 times. As for Levis, last season, his second as a starter, had a decline in his production in the passing game, was less of a rushing threat, running for only two touchdowns, and taking 36 sacks. There were differences in the teams, too, there for Levis, which is a big piece of it. But, Tim, when looking at those two quarterbacks, Levis and Richardson, which would you feel more comfortable drafting? I would feel way more comfortable drafting Will Levis and the reason I say that is just the experience factor look Anthony Richardson's ability is undeniable I mean and much of it you can measure he's got like 13 starts under his belt you know Will Levis is nearly 40 and while you know on film there's going to be some good and bad there's good and bad for all these prospects even the guys that you know haven't started as much I think the experience is important and I think the experience in the type of offenses that he played in at Kentucky are important. I think the fact that he played oftentimes with inferior talent around him is important because oftentimes when you go to the NFL, there won't be that disparity that you experience. And so I think there's a lot to like about both prospects. But I think that Will Levis's experience, as, long as, his, as well as his toughness, is something that I would be excited about. Well, guys, I think you take Anthony Richardson over Will Levis because he's the more game-breaking talent. I called his game against Texas A&M last year, and I saw a quarterback who had full control at the line of scrimmage, checking in and out of plays. He made the easy throws. He made the spectacular look easy on his way to a QBR of 94.4. Now, when you talk about Anthony Richardson versus Will Levis, Laura, you know this. When the glasses go on, the facts come out. Here they go. So I'm going to put these glasses on, on for you. There we go. And here we go. Looking at their, at their numbers, all right? Four games for Anthony Richardson with a QBR greater than 90. Will Levis had one. Anthony Richardson had four games with a completion percentage less than 50%. Will Levis had one. Anthony Richardson had six games with less than 15 completions. Will Levis had four. So what that tells me is that at their greatest, Anthony Richardson is better. And at their worst, Anthony Richardson can be the worst. So if I'm a coach, I'm saying give Mm -hmm. me Anthony Richardson so that I can develop him and make him be more consistently the best version of himself 
That's why I would take Richardson over Levis. Well, now I'm just wondering, when you're not wearing your glasses, are you being <laughs> counterfactual, and should we be listening to you? Um, no, I knew uh, Mina was going to say that. I guess I'm kind of the deciding, <laughs> deciding vote here. Uh, I do prefer Richardson. I do like. I, I think there's a lot to like about both. But for me, with Richardson, you know, we talk a lot about his upside in the ceiling, but I think uh, something that sometimes gets a little bit uh, under-recognized is how his athleticism actually gives him a floor, especially in today's NFL, where you have so many coaches and schemes, unlike even just a few years ago, who are willing and able to make the most of that. I think about Justin Fields last year, where his rushing ability gave him a floor as he continued to work on the passing side of his game. It also, you know, it's, it's not just about the designed runs. When we put up the comp there, one number that really jumped out to me was the contrast in sacks. Richardson had only yeah. 13, Levis had 36. Now, again, some of that was pass protection, but Richardson is very good at evading pressure, which is probably my favorite quality of his as a quarterback. And so in the right situation, I think with some time to develop, he has the potential to be truly special. And also, guys, that run threat that Will Levis provides, we couldn't see that this year. We didn't see that. So I would throw 2022 yeah. out. I would not evaluate Will Levis in 2022, only 2021 when he had nine rushing touchdowns. This year, the last eight games, zero rushing touchdowns. The kid could not move. So he is that dual-threat quarterback. He can be what Daniel Jones has been with his legs in the NFL, one of the top five or six running quarterbacks as well in the National Football League. Yeah, Mel, it's really important context, right? The injuries, they tell the story. The offensive line tells the story. It's why this draft class is fascinating. We carry on with more of that next week on NFL Live, and we will see you there. Keep the glasses on okay the facts <laughs> <laughs>